Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He made other countries rich while we have become poor. And then this sort of staggering sense, the wealth of our, our middle class has been ripped from their homes and then redistributed around the world. In other words, the other guys, the other, including friends. It's not, I mean, Kennedy spoke harshly about the communist world. This is about our allies. They have been stealing from us. The, uh, our corrupt ruling class has taken the money of the middle class and sent it around the world. And that's, that's the exaggerated anti-globalist view. I can understand a lot of the sentiments, but imagine how this has been heard in East Asia, in Europe, in other places. And then he ends up with a phrase that may not be so resonant here. He says, we're going to have one principle, America first. It's capitalized in the version that you get printed out. And capitalized, it's the name of the isolationist party in the 1930s that fought to keep us out of any entanglements abroad, i.e. out of the Second World War led by Lindbergh and others, and dismantled a week after Pearl Harbor. For, for many people around the world, the British in particular, that is a, quite a resonant phrase. And it says to them, to the free world, since Harry Truman and Eisenhower, we constructed a world where we carried a lot of you, economically, militarily, etc. That game is over, you're on your own. That is an amazing message for an inaugural address. We heard it in the campaign, but this is policy now, and it's going to have a huge effect around the world. Now, it's interesting to point out, we're looking at uh, Justice Sam Alito sitting next to possibly the next attorney general, likely. He's getting a vote very soon. Jeff Sessions. Uh, you see a number of lawmakers. We saw Rudy Giuliani, Martha, just earlier uh, sitting in the lunch waiting for President Trump and uh, the first lady, Melania, to arrive. Just on what Charles was just saying, you know, we've seen this is the way that Donald Trump negotiates. He throws down a very strong marker right out of the gate. And that's what he did today in his message to these other countries. We also know that he's very much open to negotiation uh, as a businessman and as a way he works things. But no doubt he wanted to be very forceful in terms of putting out that America first message. Other countries get it, just like corporations have gotten it in this country. When they heard that message, they started many of them to, you know, sort of give him little bits and pieces. This, you know, 50 jobs here. 100 jobs there coming back to the United States. Um, that's the way he works, and that's what we saw in this speech. I also just want to point out briefly here that we just got an update on the condition of George H.W. Bush, um, and it looks like some good news. He was extubated. They took the breathing tube out this morning. He's breathing well on his own with minimal supplemental oxygen, according to this. He's comfortable in watching the inauguration coverage with Mrs. Bush. Their son, Neil, and daughter-in-law, Maria, are also there. He will remain in ICU for observation, uh, and Mrs. Bush also continues to feel better. So that's very welcome news uh, to know that they're out there watching all of this along with the rest of us. And we hope they're watching us, and if so, best wishes. <laughs> best wishes indeed. Hello, sir. Exactly right. I just uh, wanted to pick up on what you were saying there, Martha, because I think it's very wise. 
this man is a negotiator. He may be a negotiator more than he's anything else. And when he starts to talk about a subject that he's involved in, he's laying down, as you suggest, a marker, a position. But he's very flexible, and things are subject to change. He'll always push to get what he wants, as he's done in countless business deals. But this is how he operates. It's what he understands. So when you hear him say something, you, it takes you should take you right back to the wisest thing that was said about him last year, that by Selena Zito, the journalist that we know here in Washington, who said that the people who didn't get him took him literally but not seriously, and people who did took him seriously but not literally. So when you hear uh, him stake out a position... It's a negotiating position. It is not necessarily something that's a hard and fast uh, situation with him. Exactly. So when he talks about NATO, uh, he says that the other countries need to pay up. Right. They need to pay their fair share. Right. And they need to re and NATO needs to adjust its mission statement to accommodate new realities and terrorism, etc. He's he says it in a different way, Dana, but eventually. Everybody pays attention, and that's a, negotiate po a negotiating point to bounce off of. Well, but there are also just facts, and I mean, the rhetoric, I think, makes a lot of sense from his perspective, from his campaign, but I also think that every president acts in the national interest as they see fit, and some, like George W. Bush, enter into office with a campaign that said, no more nation building. And circumstances happen in the world. And then his viewpoint changed that America must be engaged in the world because we can't keep these um, threats of terrorism at bay if we're not engaged. Now, all of the countries of NATO did participate in the war on terror. And if you look at the actual numbers in terms of GDP, some people might argue it's actually the United States should, who should be yeah, paid. But I mean, I've been on many trips with um, your former boss, President Bush, with his defense secretary, Rumsfeld. Everybody made, asked them to do Where more. they made the case that there were paper armies in, in Well, that is place. true, and it's not necessarily what they should be paying into NATO itself. It is what they are doing with their own militaries because they are relying on the United States. And that might be a very welcome thing uh, across the board. I also think that um, one of the first things that President Obama did today is he's held over some of, I'm sorry, President Trump has held over many people that were political that worked under President Obama as they work out the transition. And one of them, uh, and as I understand it, was encouraged by Ivanka Trump and Mike Pence, the vice president, to keep the PEPFAR coordinator over at the State Department there because that type of American uh, generosity that was helping eradicate disease around the world, which is something that Donald Trump said in his speech today, I think that he will end up finding that there are, I don't know whether it's points of negotiation, but points of more open-mindedness and flexibility about what previous presidents have done to try to protect the United States in their viewpoints. Um, populism is new and different, and it feels strange to talk about America first, given the historical connotation, as Ch Charles Krauthammer was discussing, but maybe it's time for a redefinition under this president. Just to make sure everybody knows what they're looking at on the screen, Joint Base Andrews, uh, the Obamas getting ready to board the plane to head out west, and there you see in National Statu Statuary Hall in the Capitol, the House Speaker and his wife arriving, as well as other lawmakers and the, the Trump family. Juan, first hundred days. Well, I think it's. I know it's Martha's show, but uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you the can actual, talk about it, though. Okay, all right. Uh, the actual first hundred days of this administration. Well, what strikes me looking at the Trump portion of our screen is that he's on Capitol Hill, he's in the Congress, and don't forget, what we have here for the first time is a Republican majority in the House, the Senate, and now a Republican president. First time since 2006. 
So in large measure, as we discuss that first hundred days, we are going to be discussing Donald Trump trying to make an impression or change some of the GOP orthodox positions on issues ranging from free trade to immigration. And is this guy going to cooperate, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer? I think Schumer is the face of the opposition here right now. Uh, and he is just coming into that job. You know, Harry Reid uh, has left, go home to Nevada. And so Schumer now has to find a way to deal with Trump. And he has said he is willing to negotiate, to go back to what you guys were talking about, Trump, the businessman and negotiator, that he's willing to negotiate and at times use the fact that Republicans who have a 52 uh, majority in the Senate can use help from Democrats. And we think here of vulnerable Democrats, people like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Heidi Heitkamp, uh, maybe even Donnelly in, in Indiana. And that there's a potential there for to put pressure on Schumer by putting pressure on the large number of Democrats who will be up for re-election in the Senate in 2018. So there's going to be a lot of negotiation there. One final point in terms of a Democratic perspective on this day was the surprise, I thought, in Donald Trump's failure to acknowledge Hillary Clinton. I thought that he would have shaken hands with her and former President Clinton or spoken of her in some way to signify uh, a willingness to heal to outreach. But again, that was not the tenor of the, you know, what Britt said, I think, accurately. It was a pretty dark speech about the state of life in America. Let's watch this moment uh, as President Obama and former President Obama and the former First Lady wave before stepping onto the plane uh, as they begin some time off. And as Dana pointed out earlier, the weight is lifted off of this family. It is a tremendous weight to be president of the United States and also to be married to the president of the United States is something that uh, we know from our conversations with first ladies that they share uh, in that. So now that weight has been shifted to Donald Trump and to Melania Trump, his wife, and by extension to their family as well. But, um, you know, this is just one of those moments that you look at, Chris Wallace. Here's, and Here's another moment. Let's listen in.
Welcome to this, this inaugural luncheon. Uh, the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies has been pleased to host this lunch at least since 1953 with President Eisenhower. In 1981, President Reagan's first inauguration, uh, the lunch took its current form and moved to this ground, Grand Hall, the National Statuary Hall, uh, which served until 1857 as the Chamber of the House of Representatives. The statues that line the walls of this room are placed throughout the Capitol, and they recognize important figures in our national history. Uh, the collection in Statuary Hall doesn't change very often, but actually since this lunch was held the last time, it's had several additions. Uh, Rosa Parks is now in Statuary Hall, and she is, of course, seated rather than standing, as she should be. When Mrs. Parks died in 2005, one of the few people who never held any public office or served in the military to lay to honor in the uh, Capitol Rotunda, and several of us were there that day. Another addition, Norman Berglog, the leader of the Green Revolution, though this Green Revolution was about his great efforts to feed people, the demands in food production, uh, and uh, he was really a leader in that area. And talking to Governor Purdue last night about what's going to happen as world food demand doubles in 35 or 40 years and the great opportunity we have there. Barry Goldwater, a real inspiration to a generation of conservatives, was added to Statuary Hall over the last few years. And Thomas Edison of Ohio, who discovered more than 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb and he, until he discovered the one way to make that light bulb. Um, the painting... Uh, in the middle of the room is from a great Missouri artist, uh, George Caleb Bingham. He did uh, three uh, election series, the painting here, uh, three painting series. One was stump speaking, one was the county election, and this one is verdict of the people. Uh, in the 1850s, when this was, was uh, painted, often it was several days after the election before the results were announced, uh, and all kinds of people are in this painting. People from all walks of life, people who are excited, people who are confused, people who wonder what's happened, and people who wonder what's going to happen are all there. Um, actually, he painted this painting about the same time that uh, in this very room, some of the least successful debates in the history of our country were being held. Uh, and, of course, uh, that we, we paid the price for not being able to find solutions. And one of my favorite statues in the building is in a room that I have here in the Capitol right now. I had it in the whip's office when I was the whip in the house. Uh, and it's one of my favorites because nobody knows who it is. And I don't mean nobody here can guess who it is. I mean nobody knows who it is. And nobody's known who it was since about 1930. Couldn't have been in the Capitol building more than 100 years before people began to wonder, who is this person? Uh, and I think it's a great reminder that what we do here is a lot more important than who we are. Uh, so we have work in front of us. It's a wonderful opportunity. It is a great day. Uh, and I'm asking uh, Barry Black, uh, the chaplain of the Senate, to come and give us our opening prayer.
us pray. Eternal Lord God, our refuge and strength, we praise you that we have nothing to fear. We can stand fearlessly during this season of peaceful transition because we know your providence will prevail. Lord, we're grateful for this inaugural luncheon and for your providence that has brought President Donald J. Trump to this milestone moment. You have admonished us to pray for leaders and governments, so we pray for our new president. Lord, crowned his labors with success, leading him to the destination you have chosen. Surround him, his family, and the members of his cabinet with the shield of your divine protection and favor. May President Trump seek your wisdom, justice, and grace, leading with your strength, which reaches out to those on life's margins, the lost, lonely, last, least, and left out. May he remember that those who would leave a legacy of greatness must strive to become servants of all. Lord, inspire our president to perform his God-appointed duties with such reverence for you that his tenure will be like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning like a rainbow after a storm, and like the singing of the birds at dawn. Bless our food and fellowship, we pray in your sovereign name. Amen. Lunch will be served. Okay. That was uh, Senator Roy Blunt. He's the chair of the inaugural committee uh, from Missouri. Had some interesting things about the uh, about the decor in Statuary Hall in Capitol. It's a beautiful, beautiful building there and a beautiful room where they have this lunch every inauguration. And apparently, there's a statue of someone that knows no one knows who it is. And they don't know Never who has it is. and Blunt. You know, can't remove <laughs> it. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Exactly um, we're going to go out to the parade route and get a little bit of a taste of of what we can expect. After lunch, uh, which uh, now we're going to Oh, there's the that. takeoff. And as President Obama, the former president of the United States, said, this has been a long goodbye, but this is officially the goodbye on his way to California at Joint Base Andrews. He has said that if he feels it necessary, he will speak up uh, as things arise, if there are injustices being done or, you know, uh, children who he feels have been endangered by policies and 
that kind of thing. He said he will chime in, and we know that President Bush felt very differently uh, about that process. But Juan, we'll what do you think is going to be the role of the former president? Well, he's still the leader of the Democratic Party. Uh, they have yet to choose someone to run the Democratic National Committee. And, you know, there's been lots of consternation about that contest. For the most part, it looks like a competition among people from the far left. Uh, we've seen some people now try to come in and offer some of a middle road. But at the moment, given the polarized state of politics in America, I think you see people on the far left wanting President Obama to become a herald for them and wanting to use the power of his pulpit as former president to challenge Donald Trump. But what we have heard from the president in terms of his remarks and even his final... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.